0: it sucks you in you get so passionate about seafood like everywhere you go you'll eat seafood when you when you're immersed in this seafood world you, you actually go out and you actually try and find better seafood when you even eat at home
1: this is the deep in the weeds podcast i'm anthony huckstep australia is blessed with some of the most incredible seafood in the world often though We leave the cooking of our stunning seafood in the capable hands of professional chefs. But what does it take to create a successful seafood restaurant? Grant Schooling is the executive chef of Luca's in Adelaide, South Australia. Grant, how are you going?
0: Good. How are you?
1: Good. It's good to have you on the show. You've um, been in the world of seafood very much so in the last couple of years. What's it like plumbing the depths? to create a seafood restaurant
0: uh it's never ending of like motivation of finding different species i find it's always exciting getting something different all the time um i find that fishermen in particular are very passionate about what they do and i think that the connection between a chef and a fisherman is very similar and it's just it's just an abundance of Different textures, flavors, species, uh, so, which I find is a bit different to the meat industry. Um, it's a little bit probably like vegeta- what a vegetarian chef would be. Um, there's just so much out there, so much undiscovered. Um, yeah, so I, I find it really interesting as a chef and it keeps you motivated.
1: Well, tell us a bit about uh, the program there. You mentioned underutilized and rare. Sort of species. What's the process? Do you have? Um, do you leave it in the hands of the of the fishermen that you deal with?
0: Pretty much, you you, you have no choice but to leave it in the hands. Um, we have people people like uh, Chris Bolton, for instance. Like he, he, you never know what he's going to catch. Like he's always catching coral trout or uh, saddle tail snapper or something. But there's every now and then one fish will come out. Like a coronation trout, something different uh, that he gets, and we pretty much have that relationship where he knows oh, I'll take that straight away, and um, and we and we use social media uh, to get that out. So, and that's pretty much how it works. You never, he, you never know what you're going to pull out of the water. So, um, if it's edible and it and it's a pretty looking fish, like I'll, I'll pretty jump on it. That's for sure.
1: Well, take us into the kitchen. Um, What's the secret to cooking seafood? And do you have a couple of dishes uh, that you can tell us about that's kind of exemplifies what you're doing there at Lucas?
0: With seafood, I find you can't do too much to, especially the seafood that we buy because it's so expensive. um, It's it's been handled, you know, beautifully by some of the fishermen, and that I I find the more simple you can do is better. What we do here at Lucas is we we just buy the freshest, the best seafood possible and we don't do too much to it. Um, One of our specialties here would be something like a a whole coral trout, which we barbecue over charcoal first um, and we season it really well. um, And then we'll transfer, transfer it to a flat grill and we'll really slowly just cook on the flat grill with a lid over the top. So it's just slowly cooking and we'll continue to keep turning it. So it's kind of basting in its own juices. While that's going, like we will make a, just a, a simple burnt butter and caper sauce. Um, and it's just as much as using really good butter, um, burning it a little bit and, and putting nice crispy capers in there and, um, And once the fish is just cooked on the bone, like we'll we'll serve and pour that sauce over and and that's all we really need to do. When
1: did food become of interest for you? Um,
0: Food for me, like uh, I come from a family that um, have been cooks uh, for many generations. Like I I was about seven years old. My mum was working in a French restaurant called The Vines down in Kangarilla. Um, and there's a photo going about that of me, I think I was about seven, seven years old, and I was, I was pol- polishing cutlery. And I always remember, like, when I was down there, um, peeling onions, um, listening to the chefs, like, they're always there. Were, there were a couple of French chefs there, they always talking about food and the smells. Um, I can always remember it and I just remember when I was about 14 and I was at high school and we had one of those classes where they were like, what do, you, what do you want to do for a living? I already knew what I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to be a chef. So the the teacher just said, you can just go straight and start looking for like work experience and that's what I did. So I just went straight into a kitchen and it always felt right. Like I always remember – walking in, the first place I went to was the James Craig, it's a, it's a pub down uh, south of Adelaide. And I remember back then you could smoke in the bar, like, and the bar used to smell like stale beer and stale cigarettes. Um, and that smell to me was just like, oh, this is like, what is this? Like, And the kitchen was like really cool, you know, really gastro food, pies and stuff like that. And I, I just felt really comfortable.
1: Tell us about the years during your apprenticeship. Is there any um, key moments or memories that you have?
0: Yeah, a lot of moments like through through my apprenticeship, um, I did through an agency, and they would always chop and change through different pubs and stuff like that. Um, one of the things that I was lucky enough to work with some really good lecturers that would always encourage all their students to do competitions back then there was no like golden chef's hat. There was always like cooking comps uh, that the gas company would put on. There'd be like a top hat award. And then there was some different industry like ones where you'd, you basically be battling each other all the time, like different um, recipes and uh, like food boxes and stuff like that. And um, you were always, as an apprentice, you were encouraged to do that. And that, that was a really, really lot of fun. Like, um, yeah, like yeah, we we used to compete a lot, and and you used to win quite a bit, which was good. And that would like once once I was near, near towards the end of my career, my my apprenticeship, um, I ended up leaving HGTs, um, and and I start I started at Salsa around that time.
1: Well, Salsa was one of the best Italian restaurants uh, in uh the area well, tell us a bit about what it was like in the kitchen there
0: it was pretty brutal um like i worked under marco like marco was a bit of a psychopath um but like the the chefs that i worked with in there were like they were i don't know they 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 did something for me like at the time i never knew it um i always thought it was pretty like hardcore and i was scared all the time <laughs> um, but but the food that they used to do there was like breaking the rules, like like full-flavoured. Um, it, was, it was all about taste. Like there was no recipe cards. There was no teaching. It was all about getting the best out of everything, um, you know, all, everything flavour-based and really rustic. And the food was always amazing. And that really stuck for me. And I always remember, like, Marco once, like, he was yelling at me for something and, like, he just goes, you know, like, what I teach you, you're going to, like, because I'm yelling and screaming at you, I'm going to teach you something that you, you can be able to go into any restaurant and you'll be able to, you know, ask for whatever you want and you'll get it. Like, and it wasn't until, like, probably 10, maybe, you know, 10 years later that he was actually right yeah i could walk into a place and he really like put something in me where i could break rules and my food was pretty amazing like like with flavor and the the concepts that i'd come up with
1: pubs were a real key feature for you in the very very early days but they're also integral um you made a bit of a name for yourself with worlds and tell us about um that time
0: yeah, like once when I left like Salsa, um, I started at like, at the World's End. Um, I worked under a chef called Darren, who was just this big cuddly bear, like was you know great, like beautifully natured. Totally different to where I came from from Salsa, like, um, and he would just let me do whatever I wanted, like specials and stuff like that. Um, and the pub was very grungy at the time, and. I was probably there for about eight months and then he ended up leaving. He was like, look, here's your opportunity. I think you're ready. Take, you know, take it, take it over. Um, Do your own thing. Like um, he he was really encouraging and and I thought that I was ready. So, and yeah, I did it. Within like two weeks of him leaving, like I set up a, a new menu, like just did something really totally out there. I think it was like, uh, more by like garlic Morton Bay bugs and stuff that pubs hadn't really seen I was doing steaks with like whole roasted garlic on top um, and and at the same time there was this competition that just started it's called mushroom mania and i entered it and didn't not even thinking of really winning anything just thought oh this will be fun like something to do and and promote it through the pub and in the same like kind of week that we were doing that like i got I got a um, my first review from Tony Love, pretty well known. Like he was a food writer back then. He's now a wine writer, but um, and yeah, the uh, lucky guy. I got a really good review from him. He came in twice, um, and he, he gave a pretty high score for a pub back then. And about a couple of about a month after that, I found out that we ac- I actually won like the South Australian award for the mushrooms and. Went on to win three years in a row after that. That was pretty good. Um and during that time, like you know, Adelaide's food scene was very underground. Um Sydney like you'd look at Sydney and just go, like, that place is like amazing. Um and you and Adelaide gets snubbed all the time by eastern states.
1: Competitions have been a real feature of of your career. Um you ended up competing in the World Culinary Olympics in Beijing, in China. How did how did that all start, and what was that experience like?
0: Yeah, so like part of um, the Mushroom Awards, um, there would always be like a national winner in Australia that would end up being able to compete in China. They they had a an Olympic style uh, competition um, that was sponsored by the Mushroom. World uh, Industry Association over there, which is, like, huge because mushrooms are, like, like, you know, Australia has meat and veg. Over there, like, in China, they have, like, meat and mushrooms. It's so important to them. They've got 10,000 different species to eat. So it's really, really important over there. Um, And they put on a competition every year that was, like, super serious to them, like, and they would invite um, always different chefs from all around the world to compete and to get into it for the Australian side of it. You had to just enter this mushroom mania competition. And, um, I, would left the world's end by then I was at a hotel and I'd only been there for like four weeks and the mushroom mania came around again. And I was like, oh, I want to you know, compete again, do this. It'd be good for the hotel. Um, and they promoted mushrooms throughout the hotel and, um, when it, when all the judging was done and stuff, because they'd have like secret like diners come through and that, and yeah, found out that I'd won the national, and it gave me the ticket to go to China and compete uh, for, and represent Australia. Um, in Australia, it's not a really big thing, but in when you got to China, it was massive. Like uh, you got. Bust around with all other chefs. It went for eight days. We were there for eight days. Um, it was like really serious. And when we, it was in like a big, like uh, English language school. Um, and the, the whole time you're there, like you, you're treated pretty much like a celebrity. Um, and you get to like try all these different mushrooms you've never tried before in your life. The chefs that are competing, like you're just exchanging knowledge, you know, it was it was totally different to what I had ever experienced. When when you compete in a cooking competition here, you don't talk to nobody. Like, you know, you bring your own knives, all your own equipment, and, and you keep everything to, you, to yourself. But over there, like, it was like, oh, you know, what are you doing? You know, and they were showing different skills and we were cooking different flavours, like especially when it came into the time when we had to – um, do all our prep work. They gave us like a full day of prep. Uh, one of the funniest stories is when we came to do our ordering for what we needed for the competition. I asked for fresh chicken, and they gave me live chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, what am I going to do with these?" And they're, they're like, "Oh, you just kill them." And I'm like, "Oh, I can't do it." Like, and the the head chef of the of the, who was overseeing the competition, he's like, "Don't worry, I'll, I'll organize it for you." And he went and got it done, and then when he gave them back to me, they were whole and still warm. Like, so I just quickly just took the the breasts off of them because I only needed the chicken breasts, and like, and I just quickly put them in the fridge, get cold. Like, <laughs> but
1: did you get to experience much of the local food culture in China while you were there?
0: Yeah. So while we were there, like, um, it was on the Fifth Ring, which is in a bit of a slum area. But some of the Chinese chefs, like, took us, like, into the slum area and some of the food that we had there was, like, quite weird, like, to, for an Australian palate. Um, but it was unreal. Like, we, we tried, like, we were at breakfast once and they have a traditional Chinese breakfast or you can have a Western breakfast. And one particular day I was, we were at breakfast and I was like, oh, I'm going to try the Chinese breakfast. And I'm having these steam buns and they're all laughing at me. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, and and the interpreter goes, oh, you like that steam bun? I'm like, yeah, like it's a bit spicy, like it's really nice. Like, what is it? And they and they said the Chinese name for dog, and I was like, oh, what's that? And they like, you know, woof woof, and I was like, oh, dog. i like, yeah, yeah, it's like like a dog steam bun. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but we got taken out to different places, like Great Wall of China. Um, different food place, Went to the uh, one of the very first restaurants uh, that started Peking duck. That was unreal. Like they've been doing Peking duck for centuries. Like, um, pr- pretty amazing experiences.
1: When did the focus turn to seafood for you?
0: Um, seafood, to, like the more the main focus turning seafood is, is more when I um, met Peter uh, at Luca's. Um, There's just something, you know. Peter's restaurant is is quite special, and that the seafood that Peter, his, his immense knowledge of seafood is is unreal. it's come from like nearly a fifth generation uh, seafood family. Um, when I first started at Luca's, like my seafood knowledge was, you know, I, I knew all the basics: um, King George, whiting, squids, that type of thing, but. The thing with seafood is, is like it draws you in. When you start learning about coral trout and different species, mullets, and 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 it's it just draws you in. Like I can't explain it until you like experience it. So I've had chefs come start here, and they, they they think they know about seafood. Oh, yep, and then they go, oh, I, I have no idea. Like the amount, the immense amount of seafood. We get sent seafood that's not local. We get told it's local, and Peter will walk in the kitchen and go, "Where'd you get that from?" Like, and I'll be like, "Oh, you know, got it from this supplier." And He'll be like, "It's not local," and like, well, how do you know that? Like, and he goes, "The colour, the look." He goes, "I'm telling you now, it's not local." And you know, you delve a little bit deeper, and sure enough, it's not local. He he knows stuff like. Like octopus that's come from Victoria, he just knows by the colour of it. Like South Australian oaky is a little bit more purple, and you know, and Victorian oaky is a little bit browner. Like they're just things that chefs would never know. Like, but he does because he's been around it his whole life.
1: What are the underappreciated species that you think people should be using?
0: That's a that's a good question. It's a hard one. There's um. I think under underutilized is a word in seafood. Like it's just yeah that that question with seafood. Like it, it's hard to say. Like there's just so much seafood out there that anything that hasn't been discovered or it's a fish that like let's an unutilized fish for me could be like bite snapper but a lot of people wouldn't like bite snapper because they're bony it's got lots of bones but the flavor is unreal like it's an old school fish and chip shop fish um deep sea perch is another one it's a fish that you can only pretty much pan fry it's got a lot of moisture so you can't deep fry it but the flavor is unreal and not you know that's a, that's a fish that It's been lost in time. Um, Another problem with the seafood industry, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, is that so many species were different names. Um, You know, like it's been on TV a lot, a lot of investigations. Um, I think John Sussman's, you know, tried to nut it out quite a bit as well. Um, you know, blue grenadier can be called five different things. So, um, so yeah, that question is, is is a hard question with seafood. I think it's more more the underutilized stuff, is the old, more older stuff that people have forgotten about. Everyone goes for King George whiting all the time. Like it, it, it it's a great fish. It, it tastes alright, but it's not the best.
1: What's the first seafood uh, that you remember working with in a kitchen?
0: Uh, For me, probably squid, like a lot lot of squid. Um, Because I've come from a a pub background, it always comes in frozen, it's always Vietnamese. Like um, it's already been cleaned. Like we do everything from scratch at Lucas. Like we've had squid this morning come in fresh, they've just been caught last night. Um, we'll clean that from scratch, you know, um, like, uh, more made bugs, stuff like that. Back then, like Morton Bay bugs, squid, it was all like super cheap. Like, and it was a pub staple, you know, salt and pepper squid and stuff these days. Like it's a lot more expensive. Um, I think one of the biggest things that Peter's t- taught me is that, um, that like local seafood, like it might be expensive, but you can still make money from it and you should use it. Like, you know, it was. it's a bit of a, like coming from a pub background, you're always pressured for your figures and stuff like that. And so you always go for the $7 a kilo squid. You don't care where it comes from. Like um, since meeting Peter, like even when I took a break from Lucas and I went to a pub, like I still try to use local seafood. Like he taught that for me, that the importance of using fresh, local as much as possible.
1: You mentioned that you took a break from Lucas and went and worked for a pub again. What brought you back to Lucas to take the role that you have?
0: Um, For like Peter, in the, in the early days, when I first started here reminded me a lot about a bit like Marco. He wasn't physically abusive, but like he was hard in the kitchen. And um, it didn't take too long before we had had a disagreement, and I ended up quitting. The funniest thing is about that is like I, I end up going back to a pub because I always find pubs an easy cop out for me. Like it's it, it's not a, it's not a challenge. Like it's just an easy way. It, it's good money, like it, it's good hours and stuff. But when I was back at the pub, me and Peter like, after we had that argument, I ended up quitting. We ended up becoming really good friends. And we never stopped, like, talking, like, on a weekly basis about food, about seafood, about different dishes. And a few months down the track, unfortunately, like, um, Angela, one of uh, the front of house manager and it's a really close friend to Peter's and just part owner, um, she was diagnosed with a really aggressive bile duct cancer and that really shook Peter up. Uh, or everybody, I, you know, anyone who found out about it, she didn't have long to live. They gave her, I think, like less than three months. And it, and then that came to the time where Peter was like, you know, I'd love to have you back, and I was like, yeah, I'm keen to come back and take on the challenge. And he gave me, he said, he'd give me full reign so he could concentrate on uh, Angela's treatment. And and I haven't looked back, like you know, since day one, like. Gaming here, like you know, the, the me and Peter just said, right, we're gonna look for the best seafood. Like, we're gonna start contacting people like Chris Bolton, um, all these different fishermen who are famous on Instagram, or you know, um, you know, we're just gonna just haggle them because at the start it was really hard to get uh, on top onto them, like. They, they, some fishermen would just direct me straight to Costa uh, in Sydney and the prices would be like astronomical and you'd be like I can't even make money on that and eventually we got there like and Peter just like you know let's while while he's concentrating on other things it's y- your baby you know and yeah it's been an amazing ride and Angela's still fighting her cancer and she's you know it's two, nearly two years on and she's still here which is amazing like um her her fight is in certain now, now she, we're opening a new restaurant you know so things just that their whole outlook have changed
1: you mentioned the challenges of uh, working with Peter originally, but um, he's renowned with his knowledge of seafood. What's it? What's it been like uh, working with him and creating such a successful uh, seafood restaurant in Lucas?
0: Um, it, it's actually pretty amazing. Like his knowledge is um, unbelievable. I think the I think with what's happened with Angela, he has changed quite a lot. Um, they go out to dinner a lot and they see what other people are producing, um, they can be really brutal in their critiquing and, you know, I always use that as a some chefs would probably would have quit by now, but, you know, I use it as a guide to make me a better chef um, and, 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 and to go harder and, and push the, the boundaries um, of what we can experiment and flavour concepts and stuff like that.
1: Why do you think South Australia is so special for seafood?
0: Oh, we got an abundance of different species. The the temperature of the water, like Spencer Gulf, has like a total gem of, you know, kingfish is unbelievable. Our squid is unreal. Our octopus is different to everywhere. It's a bit tenderer. Our squid is amazing. It's got like like I find like a av- vanilla-like type flavour in it, sweet, like – uh, we've got beautiful, amazing scallops, like mussels. People talk about pippies are really good. I, I find pippies are still more of a bait fish, but a bait, you know, a bit of bait. But um, like our king prawns, like you can't, like, okay, yeah, king king prawns, like Queensland prawns, like banana prawns are great, um, but you can't be Spencer Gulf king prawns. They're just sweet and plump and juicy, you're just not getting them anywhere else. Like they've got that rainbow tail, like beautiful colours. Like the Oki that we get here is unbelievable. Like the flavour is really nice.
1: You briefly mentioned that you'll be opening a new restaurant. Um, can you tell us a bit about it? Will it be seafood focused?
0: Yeah. So Peter and Angela have joined forces with uh, George from George's on Waymouth, which um, you know quite well. Um and we've, they've taken on a space in Henley Square. Um, it's going to be called Henley. And, yeah, it's going to be seafood-based, like all u- utilising local seafood, um, casual casual dining. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably due to open in about eight weeks' time. So pressure's on. Um, yeah, it would be good because, like, it opens up more doors for people like Chris Bolden and stuff. We'll be ordering a lot more. Um, and, and Luke from in Sydney, like, another good fisherman of ours, like, we'll just have a constant supply of, of really good seafood from around Australia because um, we've really worked out a good system where we get it on direct flights. Um, pretty much, like, Chris Bolden will go fishing And within, like, a couple of hours, he'll have it boxed up and it'll be on a direct flight from Cairns. Um, And we've got a bit of a movie, like, um, in the pipeline. It's, like, a short film on how quickly we can get seafood from the total the other side of the corner of Australia to be, like, sea to plate, basically.
1: You have a great connection uh, with producers. Can you tell me about some of the catchers and growers that you work with?
0: Yeah, so, like... I find with fishermen, they're much like a a chef. They're pretty passionate about what they do Um, and to have a good relationship with them, like being in constant contact with them when they're going fishing, uh, weather patterns, stuff like that, what they're catching, um, always talking about, you know, different textures and we'll exchange dishes. Like I'll send them a photo of the dish that they caught um, and you always get you know, good feedback or, you know, especially with like people like Chris Bolton, Ben Pethwick in Western Australia, um, they're all pretty like foodies. So like you can – they send you a fish and they'll be like, well, this is quite flaky. It's white fish. You know, it's great for sashimi. Chris Bolton's really good for that. He'll send, you know, some different species and he'll be like, you know, this is more for like ceviche or – um, he sent us a yellow fin emperor the other day cause not all fish is perfect. So he, he sent us these yellow and, and Chris Bolden was like, look, these are known to be tough. And sure enough, like we put it up on the board and we, we sold one and we couldn't serve it. It was just too tough. And you know, you win some and you lose some, there's more wins than there are losses. But, um, that's the type of relationship he could have easily just sent us the fish and pay. we paid the bill and, you know, we'd be like, what's wrong with this fish, you know? Um, but that type of relationship with your producer is where, where he can be like, look, it has been known, like it can be a bit tough, um, just keep in mind. He gave us a tom- tomato cod, uh, for, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, Absolutely beautiful fish. But once again, he was like, look, they're known to have worms like, like, and a lot of them, um, so I'm not even charging you for this fish. Like, just use it for a photo, experiment with it, open it up, just check, just make sure. We've, like, we haven't had much experience with worms and stuff like that. All the seafood we get is extremely fresh. We opened it up. I took photos, sent it back to Chris, and, yeah, sure enough, he's like, yeah, see those marks there? That's that's worms. So, you know, that, that's, that, that's why it's so important to have a really good relationship because uh, we could have easily, easily, you know, served that to a customer without even knowing, like, you know, it's all about learning knowledge.
1: How much have you changed as a chef since taking this dive into the seafood world?
0: Um, quite a bit. Like, I eat quite a bit of seafood. Um, I go, when I do get the chance to eat out, um, I was just in York's last week and I was in a local pub. The sea's right in front. Like, you know, you, you you order like a seafood basket and you, you just go, this has got to be local. Like, how could it not? And, and you're tasting it and you not, you just know, you just go, yeah, this squid is not local. Like, you know, the King George Whiting was local, but. Um. Yeah. Like I, I find, like, because I, it sucks you in. You so, you get so passionate about seafood. Like you, everywhere you go, you you eat seafood. Even when I go, to, if I go to supermarkets, like I'll try and buy the best seafood. Like Coles has, um, has uh, Cone Bay, Barramundi. Like we used to have Cone Bay, but because Coles took it, we we don't buy it anymore. Like we we found uh, Coral Coast, which is a little bit better than Cone Bay. But even when you're when you immersed in this seafood world, you, you actually go out and you actually try and find better seafood when you even eat at home.
1: What do you love about uh, what you do?
0: Uh, I, for me, I don't know anything different. Like my whole life has been around food. I love food. Um, you know, I, I love the people. Um, I love like all the chefs like that I, I've been privileged to work with. Um course there's a a lot of like chefs out there that are assholes like that you know arrogant that won't teach you anything i've always had the attitude of you know knowledge is king you know like and it needs to be passed on to the younger chefs i've always will take it all my apprentices under my wing and will always be in contact with them i love seeing their journey like as being a chef like it's an amazing feeling that you know i have one chef that She's worked all around Australia. She's now doing childcare, but you know, like it's good that passion. I got another chef that worked at Shabo Show. He he had a big drug problem when when he, when he was with me, and I was, you know, was pulled him aside many times and said, "Dude, you gotta knock it out, man. You're gonna be a really good chef one day, and you're throwing it away." Like, and he ended up going to Shabo Show, and he's doing amazing things now. Like those sort of things that make being a chef special. Um, and make what I love about this industry.
1: Well, Grant, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Good luck with the new restaurant in Henley Square, opening a bit later this year. Please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon.
0: No worries. Thank you for having me.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep.